0: This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. John Bolton has been a critic of what he calls Trumpism. He does not believe that it has any kind of coherent philosophy that can provide a future path for the Republican Party. So what does he intend to do about it? I mean, he's even introduced the possibility of running for president we will be speaking with uh, ambassador john bolton former national security advisor to president trump the one who wasn't indicted um (laughs) actually convicted that was michael flynn but that's another story uh we um will also be talking about a conservative magazine in fact the leading conservative magazine all right i'll flip over all the cards it's national review who is very worried about one very prominent Republican, no, it is not President Trump, who is engaged in an act of self-debasement. What kind of act? Uh, we will get to that on The Michael Medved Show and uh, be talking more about the, the last days of the Pelosi House of Representatives. Will they manage to uh, get some... Uh, actual spending bills passed so the government doesn't shut down on friday two days before christmas uh... it it's looking pretty good on on that front the uh... the house ways and means committee uh... voted and i believe they voted unanimously uh... to uh... make public the information of six years of tax returns that they finally got out of president trump after they had subpoenaed uh, and demanded those tax returns for a long time. Uh, Meanwhile, there is this story, and it's a story from uh, the Wall Street Journal, and the headline is January 6th defendant charged with plotting to kill FBI agents, plural, who investigated him. Now, look, I know there are a lot of people who are really, really angry with the FBI and a lot of people who believe that it's un-American. If you're one of them, you can give us a call and rail about it, if you please. Uh, 1-800-955-1776 is the phone number. But killing FBI agents is something different. Uh, President Trump, in his response to the January 6th, uh, unselect committee, as he would style it, has talked about what he calls the DBI, the Democratic Bureau of Investigation, claiming that there has been a, an abundance of partisanship by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, despite the fact that its current uh, director, Christopher Wray, is a lifelong Republican who was appointed by Donald J. Trump to succeed james comey it's normally a 10-year unless something goes terribly wrong as it did with james comey but uh, it's normally a 10-year post uh, that people hold as director of the fbi the uh, story about the january 6th defendant a tennessee man already awaiting trial for assaulting a police officer during the january twenty-sixth, 2021 riot at the u.s capitol was charged again this week with plotting to kill the federal agents who investigated him and planning to attack the Federal Bureau of Investigations, Knoxville, Tennessee field office. Okay, the whole idea of criminal prosecution of people is to discourage future criminality that appears not to be working uh, with Edward Kelly. The plan by Edward Kelly, 33 years old, was foiled this past week when a witness gave police an envelope containing what appeared to be a hit list bearing the names of 37 people who were involved into the investigation into Mr. Kelly's alleged role in the capital assault. The uh, witness um, then cooperated with investigators, secretly recording phone calls with Mr. Kelly and another man, Austin Carter, who's 26, as they discussed their joint plans to take out, and that's in quotes, of the agents at their Knoxville office, the records say. You don't have time to train or coordinate, but every hit has to hurt. Every hit has to hurt, Mr. Kelly said in the calls. And um, Mr. – the documents uh, revealed – that part of their, trans, uh, their conversation, as well as other materials between uh, Mr. Carter and Mr. Kelly and uh, their conspiracy uh, for retaliating against a federal officer. Uh, they've also been charged with interstate communications of a threat and solicitation to commit a crime of violence. Both men were detained after a Friday hearing in federal court in Knoxville. Merry Christmas. The uh, prosecutor said Mr. Kelly was wearing a gas mask and tactical helmet when he arrived at the Capitol on January 6th. Just looking for a wholesome, good time in the height of the new year. Uh, They said he fought with a Capitol police officer on the west side of the building before using a piece of wood to break a window near the Senate wing door, forcing his way into the building. Roughly 900 people have been charged in the attack. Mr. Kelly was uh, arrested on May 5th, and then he was released on his own recognizance. Uh, The law enforcement began investigating the assassination plot on Tuesday after receiving the list, which included the names of agents who were involved in the search of uh, Mr. Kelly's home in May. The envelope also contained a thumb drive of footage from Mr. Kelly's home security camera showing a law enforcement officer approaching the house the day of his arrest the witness who is an acquaintance told the FBI and in an interview that mr. Carter had given him the envelope on behalf of mr. Kelly telling him to memorize it and burn it when you're done the witness told investigators mr. Kelly had mentioned crafting the list earlier this month I'm not sure craft is a appropriate word here and asked him to reach out to your comp buddies and see what information you can collect to help them reach their targets remember that's 37 employees of the fbi they were going after on wednesday the witness recorded mr kelly asking if he could stash some weapons and ammo at his home over the christmas holiday in a later call mr kelly told the witness that if he didn't hear from him within 2 days that authorities were looking to arrest him and that the witness should recruit a group of people to attack the FBI's Knoxville office. Uh, this is sad. It's actually horrifying, too. The new case against Mr. Kelly comes as officials have cited an uptick in threats against law enforcement officers in recent months. Threats involving federal agents specifically rose after the FBI's August search of former President Donald Trump's Mar a Lago estate in Florida. By the way, it's amazing on both sides, isn't it, that we hear so little about Mar-a-Lago right now or about those uh, confidential documents that uh, Trump was not supposed to have taken. At, at, At one point, they believed, the argument at least was, that Trump's greatest legal liability wasn't his taxes and it wasn't his business practices in New York and it wasn't trying to overturn the election in Georgia, and it wasn't January 6th. It, it was basically taking papers that didn't belong to them and storing them in his house and then refusing to return them to the National Archives. That seems to have become much less of a concern, both for President Trump's supporters and for his critics. Uh, what about one of his biggest supporters, Carrie Lake? She has just been attacked. Why? Uh, we will get to that and to much more coming up on The Medved Show.
1: 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776. Dashing through the snow on the one-horse open sleigh or the fields we go laughing all the way. Belt
0: on Bobtail Ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to laugh and sing the slaves on tonight! The sound effects are great. Um yeah, okay, I don't I'm not sure I've heard this one before, Jeremy, but that's William Shatner, isn't
1: it? A day or two ago, I thought I'd take a ride, and soon Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side the horse was lean and lank misfortune seemed as lot
0: we got to do a drifted bank and then we're
1: gonna
0: so do they have uh, jingle bells here this is this is all uh remarkable and uh wishing everybody the very very best of the season and in in that spirit Uh, there's an email that came in from Alaska uh, where if you've never been in Alaska in the winter time you really don't know what you're missing Um, we uh, we spent uh, was in February actually we went up for a Lincoln Day dinner which is the annual Republican celebration that local Republicans have everywhere And I was very honored to have been invited to appear with then governor Sarah Palin Uh, for a Lincoln Day event in Juneau, the state capital, and uh, with my family and uh, walking around with uh, kids who were pretty little then and knew how to complain. It it was cold, but it was beautiful and white. And in any event, this came in from John in Alaska, and it relates to what happened uh, yesterday with uh, PETA. Uh, We had a representative on with PETA who was uh, part of the coordination of a a ridiculous campaign, in my humble opinion, to try to erase the distinction between human and non-human species. That all species are equally entitled to compassion and respect and dignity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he writes, John in Alaska, I'm writing in response to this interview taking place with a PETA representative calling into your show. I'm born and raised in rural Alaska, and there are so many Alaska native villages located along the Yukon and Kuskokwim rivers that depend on salmon runs in the summer months to sustain them through long winters. Food security is an issue in parts of the world, especially parts of rural Alaska. Furthermore, the harvest of salmon and other wild game native to this area is a tradition spanning thousands of years and contains deep spiritual meaning and connection to the past for many local tribes. I think while well-intentioned, some of the rhetoric about speciesism is short-sighted, elitist, and ignorant, to these issues well yes indeed uh, John I think that's correct yes it's it's short-sighted and uh, naive elitist and uh, honestly the idea that all species deserve the same attention and affection uh, really is troubling when you start talking about cockroaches and rats and and others be mosquitoes Uh, come on Uh, then uh, there is this that came in from David in the state of Washington David writes your comment that Biden cannot win is horribly flawed by the way I didn't say that Biden can't win I said it's going to be very hard for him to win if he has to run against somebody else other than Donald Trump Uh, Biden wants to run against Trump he said so and I think the Democrats have indicated that that is their strategy. They want to beat Trump and Trumpism. Uh, they don't want to face a more traditional Republican. In any event, David says uh, your comment that Biden can't win is horribly flawed until and unless we have clear transparency and identify an integrity on how votes are counted and tabulated until mass mail-in voting and ballot harvesting are stopped And unless the George Soros installed secretaries of state are thrown out, it doesn't matter who is nominated. They would ensure Adolf Hitler is installed if he were to run as a Democrat. You can pretty much guarantee that Hawaii, California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Nevada, Colorado, New Mexico, Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Virginia, and every state north and east of Washington, D.C., will go to any empty meat suit still running as a democrat now some of the the uh states that you mentioned in your long list of course most of them are now democratic states but uh, nevada is a state where republicans did quite well and they actually uh in nevada picked up the governorship uh they did not win the senate race And this is one of the problems for the people who believe that Democrats uh, uh, can cheat and they can steal and they can steal every single race. Is the problem is if you believe that Nevada is facing rigged elections, how could it be that they would allow the incumbent governor, Steve Sisolak, to lose? He did. He lost to the Republican Joe Lombardo, the sheriff of Clark County and uh yes uh, the democrats did fine in the congressional races and the senate race but the the whole idea that they only care about certain races that they're going to steal the democrats are very far from control of the country uh 30 of our 50 states have at least one republican house of the state legislature which makes a very big difference especially for the people who are counting the votes and I don't think that defeatist paranoia is uh, going to work well for uh, future Republicans. Speaking of which, there's this in the National Review, and uh, it's a uh, a piece by Bobby Miller. He uh, writes, you'd think that after losing a statewide race that uh, superb incumbent Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, a Republican, won handily in 2018. 2022 Republican gubernatorial candidate uh, Carrie Lake would have the humility to reflect soberly on her loss and either better herself for the next election cycle or fade away into obscurity with some of her dignity intact. Alas, you'd be mistaken. This is Carrie Lake, after all, a woman who held a sizable portion of the Arizona GOP electorate to either pull the trigger for her or pound sand, she isn't exactly a consummate political professional. Instead, Lake is busy trying to uh, impressionable members, lying to impressionable members of the public that she beat Democrat Katie Hobbs in November when she actually lost by 17,000 votes. This is a national review. She is also sycophantically fawning over Donald Trump, telling one audience member that he is quote. The most amazing man in her life, ahead of her husband, who counts as the second most amazing. It is a transparent attempt to hitch her wagon to Trump's presidential campaign. She also says she identifies as a proud, election-denying, deplorable, and has called for the imprisonment of Maricopa County election officials. Good luck. We will be right back. We need to deal with the truth. The Michael Medved Show. And on The Michael Medved Show, it is always a pleasure and an honor to speak to Ambassador John Bolton. One of the uh, truly necessary voices on American foreign policy and national security. He served as national security adviser to President Trump and then wrote a terrific book about it. The book is called The Room Where It Happened, a White House Memoir, and uh, it is impossible not to feel inspired Uh, alarmed, amused, and hugely entertained by reading that fine book. Ambassador Bolton, uh, Merry Christmas to you, and it's uh, great to be speaking to you. Uh, What do you feel about the change in Congress? Is this going to have some impact on American foreign policy?
1: Well, I think well. Merry Christmas to begin with. Thanks for having me. I think it's not likely to have much of an impact on foreign policy. I think the significance of Republicans taking control of the House uh, is largely now the ability to block Biden administration uh, domestic initiatives and and try and hopefully get the country back on some path of fiscal responsibility. Uh, obviously, uh, in the um, uh, in the House, they have the capability of holding hearings, oversight hearings, and the like. And and I think through that in the uh, Foreign Relations Committee, the Armed Services Committee, and a, a new special committee that is being set up to deal with China, that a lot of information can be brought out and, the, and help uh, explain to the American public the nature of the different threats we face around the world. If, if that can happen, it won't have an immediate effect. But I think that's that's a key part of Congress's function is to set the table and and hold the great debates uh, on on our issues
0: and speaking of great debates on our issues uh, you have been a strong supporter of Ukraine's struggle for survival one of the most prominent Republican winners in the uh, last election was JD Vance who seems to take um, the opposite point of view Uh, what is your message to republicans who feel that they're tired of the war in ukraine and of uh, sending um, literally billions of american dollars to support the fight of the ukrainians
1: well look i think i think this he is an example of the isolationism that trump has uh, certainly facilitated letting loose within the party Uh, and i think this is one of the things people uh, around the country have to have to learn about. I think we've had a failure of political leadership for many, many years in not treating our citizens as adults and saying, look, leveling with them, in effect, here are the threats we face, this is what we need to do. Uh, the answer in the case of Ukraine, I think, is that too many people, perhaps especially on the Republican side, who uh, have a tendency to oppose our assisting Ukraine, think that somehow we're just doing this as a matter of pure charity and spending forty billion dollars here, whatever, uh when we have pressing needs at home. Now, there're a couple of answers to that. The first is it's a non sequitur to say you're 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 doing something over here and therefore you're failing over here. The answer is succeed over here, do both at the same time. It's called walking and chewing gum. It's what a great power does. But but the main answer with respect to Ukraine is this is not an act of charity by the United States. We're not giving this away solely for the benefit of the people of Ukraine, although they certainly benefit from it. We're doing this for us. And we're doing it for the reason that we have rightly considered peace and stability among democratic, like-minded countries in Europe uh, to be critical to American national interest. We've considered that uh, to be true since 1945. Uh, And we created NATO to that end. But even countries that aren't members of NATO Uh, can be uh, closely related to NATO's own members and and our own interests. And that's what the the case of Ukraine is. We are standing against an act of unprovoked aggression that, if allowed to succeed in Ukraine, almost certainly would be unleashed somewhere else in the territory of the former Soviet Union uh, or by others around the world, notably China, watching our inability to stand up to this aggression. The um, uh,
0: one of the things that you said recently that I was very struck by, you had a conversation with Ali Velshi and you talked about the future of Trumpism and you believe that future was cloudy at best because there was no guiding political philosophy. Can you elaborate on that?
1: Right. I think uh, commentators love to talk about Trumpism and its effect on uh, the Republican Party, the conservative movement, the body politic, as if there is a Trumpism. And uh, uh, there isn't because Donald Trump has no philosophy. He doesn't think in policy terms. He doesn't reason from A to B to C. Uh, Fundamentally, it's a, a very transactional approach to the world, what benefits Donald Trump. So. Uh, to my mind, Trump is an aberration in the American political system, <clears throat> and the very fact that there is no uh philosophy that he leaves behind him means that there cannot be a trump movement or any kind of succession to 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 the practices he's followed
0: and uh do you you you've also mentioned the possibility at least of uh considering a race for the presidency what would be the key factors determining whether or not you actually go forward with that kind of plan
1: well i i was initially uh sparked to think about it by trump's uh incredible comment that uh, he favored terminating the constitution in order to uh, (laughs) restore to him the 2020 election which he says was stolen now um, I think uh, th- those of us who have filled out security clearance forms for the federal government remember a question that's been asked in many forms, but you always had to answer that said something like, have you ever advocated the overthrow of the United <laughs> States government, to which I was always happy to say no. But when you talk about terminating the Constitution, you are talking about advocating the overthrow of our government. That's it's the It's the government we know. And Trump just flat out said it. So I was... I mean, there are a lot of things about uh, Trump to be uh, appalled about. This this seemed to me to be uh, uh, beyond the limit. And but but what also worried me very significantly was the lack of a really clear, crisp, dispositive rejection of that by many of the others. You know, considering a run for the presidency and other leaders in the party. Uh, I did look very seriously at running in 2016. I ultimately decided not to do it. But I have considered. how arduous this is and what's involved in it I'm not naive about it Uh, I'm going to continue to think about it continue to watch what the what the leaders of the Republican Party do because I think the sooner we uh, cut ourselves away from Trump who I believe is now in permanent decline uh, the sooner I think the fortunes of the Republican Party will pick up again
0: Uh, absolutely fascinating can we I I hope we can get to, to more on this for instance Uh, A lot of people believe that the one way that Trump could actually win the nomination is if there are, say, five viable other candidates who split the down-to-earth vote, the mainstream Republican vote. Uh, Do you worry about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that analysis, obviously based on the experience of of 2016, is, is by definition not hypothetical. Uh, I think though that this is different from 2016. Trump is not a new phenomenon. We, we're aware of the problem uh, much earlier, like at the beginning of the process than we were in 2016. Uh, so I think I think we can be ready to to guard against it number one. Number two, a lot of people have said Ron DeSantis, who's the front runner other than Trump at this point, really looks good to them. Let's just pick uh, Ron DeSantis and 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 go from there. And and that argument has been bolstered by a number of recent polls, Wall Street Journal, uh, CNN, USA Today. There may have been one other as well, that in one-to-one matchups between Trump and DeSantis showed DeSantis winning. But I think we've got plenty of other candidates. We ought to give them a chance to show their wares. Competition's not a bad thing. Let's see what happens.
0: Uh, We will be right back with Ambassador John Bolton. Uh, The author of the wonderful book, The Room Where It Happened, a book that you will be surprised how much you enjoy, even when it has some appalling contents. We'll get to that coming up on The Medved Show. show always a pleasure to speak with uh, John Bolton the uh, former ambassador to the UN under President Bush he is uh, also the former national security advisor under President Trump and he wrote about that in his book the room where it happened a White House memoir it's posted up on our website at michaelmedved.com. Uh, ambassador Bolton uh, you still think and write about foreign policy and national security policy and the future and safety of our country, it's, it's on your mind, it is your life's work. What keeps you up most frequently at night? Uh, threats of North Korea, uh, China, Iran, Russia, uh, terrorism or another term for Trump?
1: Well, it's it's a long list, and that's that's part of the problem. Part part of why I think political leaders owe the American people a full explanation of the of the range of threats we face, and what we need to do to keep ourselves safe. But if you had to pick one out of that whole list, it, it would have to be China, which I I regard as the existential threat to the U.S. and the West as a whole in in this century, in large part because. Uh, unlike uh, the Cold War with the Soviet Union, uh, where we had effectively no economic interrelationship with them uh, during during the course of the Cold War, uh, we in Europe, Japan, the, the industrial industrial developed world are closely tied to China, and the Chinese know that, and it's a weapon for them. So their challenge to us is not merely political and military, difficult though that would be, it's economic as well. And I think alerting people to this sort of whole of society, nature of the threat is is important and, and we're way behind where we ought to be in, in informing people about it.
0: Does the Biden administration deserve any credit for the apparent determination of the current government of Japan to develop its military and defensive potential?
1: Well, I think at least to the extent they didn't try to dissuade the Japanese from some of their recent uh, decisions, most notably double the size of their defense budget in the next five years, and bring it up to what we regard as the NATO standard, uh, which is that a country should should spend 2% of its gross domestic product on defense. Now, given that one assumes Japan's economy will grow over the next five years. If they they actually double it from 1% to 2% of GDP, uh, in five years, uh, Japan will have the third biggest military in the world behind only the United States and China. That's a huge step, but it's been part of an evolutionary process that the Japanese people have engaged in. Beginning in the 1990s, they started to have a debate about, uh, are we a normal nation? Uh, should we do what normal nations do, trying to get past 1945? And they concluded that they were Shinzo Abe, now tragically assassinated during his two years as prime minister, uh, probably more responsible than anyone else in Japan for this development, the, the consummation of which we've now seen. But from the U.S. perspective, this is hugely positive.
0: And uh, concerning Iran, uh, there has been some optimism uh expressed we had robert kaplan on our radio show yesterday who has written that he believes that the the regime in iran is likely to fall uh and he said in a matter of months not years
1: your, well that your would take make him yeah that would make him even more optimistic than i am <laughs> but, but I, I do count myself among the optimists. I think people should recognize that these demonstrations come on top of years, five, six years of enormous economic discontent all around the country, out in the farm lands with the small businesses, the small merchants, the artisans, um, not reported much in the West, but, but uh, brutally repressed by the regime in 2019. But that economic discontent, continues and is very strong again all across the country now laid on top of that is the uh, dissent over uh, the requirement that women wear headscarves and hijabs and that uh, protest initially started by the murder of a kurdish woman uh, who, who uh, ran afoul of the, of the country's morality police but but also spread entirely across the country this is not a general ethnic kurdish issue uh, and now it's not even an issue of the uh, of the young women who wanted to get rid of these uh, dress codes. I think it's spread throughout the population. And, and the critical point here is: it's really it's not an argument about whether you have to wear a particular form of headscarf or hijab. It's a direct ideological challenge to the legitimacy of the ayatollah's rule. If if they know what God's will is, and that their job is to tell the people. Uh, and that includes dress codes when the dress code is rejected. there was the whole argument that the Ayatollahs have a unique role. And that's why I think the regime is in such danger at this point.
0: You've written recently about Joe Biden's so-called uh, strategic patience regarding North Korea. That policy is a mistake, you write. What's the alternative to strategic patience?
1: Well, strategic patience is the hope that maybe North Korea will come to its senses. That isn't going to happen, and it hasn't happened for 30 years. There's no reason to believe it's going to happen now. Tragically, we are in very short supply of good options on North Korea because by attempting to negotiate with hereditary communist dictatorship for three decades, we've given them three decades to make progress toward deliverable nuclear weapons. They... Uh, can test ballistic missiles that can hit the United States. They've had se- six nuclear tests; the seventh is expected, perhaps any time. Um, and and so, uh, steps that could have been taken earlier to squeeze them are harder to do now. But uh, I don't trust the North Korean negotiations. I don't trust any commitments they make. They've repeatedly violated every commitment they've made. The communist regime came to power. Uh, And I think we've got to put more pressure on and put more pressure on China too. the North Korean regime wouldn't exist without Chinese assistance. And we shouldn't act like it's completely a separate problem from China. This is a useful surrogate for Beijing. uh, And Beijing needs to know that they're responsible. We hold them responsible for it.
0: And we now have a more sympathetic regime in South Korea, do we not, with a change in government there?
1: Yeah, the the still relatively new President Moon, I think, uh, understands better than than other South Korean presidents not only the threat they face. I think everybody in South Korea sees that threat, but that, that South Korea is part of a larger structure in East Asia, Southeast Asia, around the Chinese periphery. I think there's a greater understanding in South Korea today that China's threat to Taiwan is related to China's threat to South Korea. So I'm very encouraged. I I wish the Biden administration would take uh, more steps to to work with South Korea, because I think there's a lot of possibility there.
0: Um, Other than foreign policy and national security, if you were to run for president, what would be your top two priorities?
1: Well, I think obviously keeping the economy strong and primarily by restoring Uh, a sense of fiscal restraint within the Republican Party. We've got to get the national debt down. The way you do that is to cut federal spending. The cuts, I think, should be sharp. I think we've got to actually increase defense spending, so that means more uh, cuts in the welfare uh, mentality that, that currently pervades Washington. The function of the government should not be to redistribute wealth into equality. The function of the government should be to foster economic growth so everybody is better off. I think Republicans have kind of lost the bubble on that point in the past few years.
0: Lost the bubble is a term (laughs) I hadn't been familiar with, but uh, certainly lost their way seems to be appropriate. Not John Bolton. Uh, John Bolton, the author of the book uh, The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir, And uh, working on uh, further work about national security policy and defense policy, I wish you Godspeed and a very happy new year and a happy Hanukkah with the spirit of Hanukkah and the joy of Christmas for uh, you and your family. Uh, John Bolton, uh, a real pleasure and an honor to always share your perspective. Uh, Coming up on the Medved Show, we're going to be speaking to the head of a very controversial organization that at least has a sense of humor. I mean, sometimes. But uh, it's the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Uh, Dan Barker has devoted his life to trying to roll back uh, public displays of Christian religiosity. Uh, How's it going this year? Well. Not particularly well on his side, but we will get to that and much more uh, with the head of the so-called Freedom From Religion uh, movement. That and more in This Greatest Nation on God's Greens.